thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Welcome to Digital Voices. I just want to say thank you to everyone that listens. I know that there's a lot of different things you could be listening to while you're out there running and driving around or whatever. But I appreciate the fact that you've chosen time to listen to us. And we bring you ad-free content. There's no commercials. There's no sponsors. It's just pure content. And we just love being able to do that. And it only happens because we know that people are listening. So as of uh, today, we're still top 5% of the world. And it's all because of the amount of people listening. And great guests like Dr. Aaron Neinstein. So uh, Aaron, welcome to Digital Voices. Thank you, Ed. Great to be back with you. I know, Aaron, a lot of times we like to just start off with like where we first met. And thanks to, at the time, Twitter, right? You had messaged me. We're going to both be at the same conference speaking, digital marketing, fusion type conference in Salt Lake City. So we met up and we're both runners and we ran together and then uh, we had a little breakfast together. Uh, And then from there, we, you know, we found that we were kindred spirits in many ways. And so we just connected. I had a chance to visit you at UCSF. And, uh, and then you were, like I said, on episode uh, 91 with us. So that's really how we met. But when you run, Aaron, what kind of songs do you like to listen to? Uh, usually I'm listening to your podcast, Ed, when I go running. Um, but if I've got music on, uh, it's usually rock or blues or, or the combination Black Crows, Led Zeppelin, uh, Eric Clapton, uh, Albert Collins, Albert King, any of the Kings, Albert King, Freddie King, B.B. King. Almond Brothers, that kind of stuff. Very cool. Uh, and that was a very smooth answer, by the way. Um, and <laughs> in terms of your life message or mantra, like what, what's something that drives you? Is there a slogan or, you know, it's just something that really speaks to you? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the only one with this, but I always go back to, to Teddy Roosevelt's Man in the Arena speech. Uh, it just has always really deeply resonated with me that, you know, the, the credit doesn't belong, uh, that the credit belongs to the man actually in the arena, um, you know, whose face is marred by dust and sweat. Uh, Don't know it by heart. But um, I think that idea that you have to put yourself out there and um, try and fail and dust yourself off again uh, has always really resonated with me. uh, and, And that's what I try to hold close. I love that. That's a great one. So as we get into this, you know, I want to just talk to you, Aaron, about a little bit about some of the great work you did at UCSF, but you made a major career transition and for a really good reason. And so we want to hear all about that and and talk about Notable and then maybe end on a little bit of leadership. But tell us your story for those who don't know you. Like, how did it start? Like, go back as far as you want. But like, who is Aaron? Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm an endocrinologist by training and I actually still practice endocrinology. I specialize in diabetes care and that has been really uh, core and centered me. Um, you know, one of my longtime mentors, Bob Wachter, has always told people that he's what happens when a political scientist becomes uh, a doctor. And I, that, that also always resonated with me. I was an American studies major and I feel like I'm what happens when an American studies major uh, became a doctor because just very interested in improving systems of care delivery and thinking, you know, love the one-to-one care delivery that I can provide to patients in the office. 
but also really thinking about having impacts at a, at a broader scale and thinking about the systems of care. So for you know 10 plus years across my career, I've been a, a executive leading in medical informatics teams. I was a frontline uh, leader of our EPIC implementation at UCSF, uh, helped build and lead our digital health programs uh, at UCSF over the last decade, uh, was a co-founder of a nonprofit company called Tidepool that builds software for people with diabetes. Um, but again, really over the last 10 years, focused in the digital health space, all the way from uh, patient access and improving referrals process to patient self-scheduling uh, and, and through to remote patient monitoring and, and virtual care programs, uh, as well as really thinking about how to use AI at UCSF to improve efficiency uh, in our in our frontline staff. So those are those are kind of the areas that I've been passionate about. Also, you know, going one level up, even very involved and engaged at the federal policy level. I've served for the last year on the federal high tech uh, committee, the Health Information Technology Advisory Committee. And again, just really love that having that additional lever of how to influence care delivery uh, at a systems level. Yeah, that's really cool. And you're a, you're a, you're a father and you're a husband and um, a runner. So amongst many other things. I am. Yeah. I, yeah. Love uh, playing guitar, skiing, running, uh, anything outdoors, uh, which you and I definitely bonded over. Um, I'm a big reader. Uh, I, if, you know, if, if there's listeners out there who still use the app Goodreads, I'm on Goodreads and I love connecting with people and, and learning some uh, great book tips uh, and seeing what people are reading out on Goodreads, although it, it doesn't seem to have a huge following these days. <laughs> well, you're, you're such a great person. That's what I appreciate about you uh, as an individual, as a, as a, uh, and then as a leader, right. In uh, tech and clinical, you, you have that unique capability of bringing the two together as you just described. And I'm, I'm so thankful for people like you that help push our industry forward and ultimately benefit the patient experience and their families. And I know you've helped on the, on the clinician experience side as well. So you've done some pretty cool things at UCSF. That's why I just want to touch on it for people who don't know your background that much. And then we're going to go right over to Notable because I'm really excited to hear about what you're doing there. Maybe what's what's one thing that, I know there's many, but maybe one thing top of mind that you're most proud of at UCSF. You have a great team. I met the team. They're amazing people. So yeah, I'd like to hear like, what's that one thing? Yeah, I think for, for me, it was, you know, UCSF is a tertiary quaternary specialty care organization. Um, and that really means that people are coming to UCSF uh, when they're at a time of vulnerability, a time of need, you know, have a new diagnosis uh, that's very serious or concerning, or they're looking for a second opinion. And so the, you know, that first touch point of being referred by your primary care physician or um, trying to schedule an appointment with a new specialist for a condition that's very, at a very scary life moment is a really important thing. And so for me, the, what I'm most proud of is the work that we did to really improve that front door experience uh, for patients seeking specialty care. So, you know, one specific example of that, we created the ability for people with cancer, um, specifically women with breast cancer, to self-schedule new appointments from the website, like without a referral, you know, nice. no friction, 
show up at the website, you've got breast cancer, you want to see an oncologist, you can, you can book an appointment. Um, and there's a lot of different components that kind of went into that. Uh, but really proud of the, of the work we did there, partnering with a, a great leader, our, our head of operations there, Laurel Brahannon. Um, and so, you know, that's one thing that really stands out to me uh, among the, you know, the many great yeah, things. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty amazing. And people should definitely check out all the great work that your team uh, has done there at UCSF. I, I think it would definitely one of the leaders in the country in terms of what you're doing. So let's move on to Notable. So tell us about how that happened. So you're doing this great work at UCSF and um, you know, how did it, how that transition happen? and tell us all about it. Yeah, I, you know, I think it was a very natural transition for me. Uh, it's obviously a huge change in the environment and being, you know, moving from a health system to working at a vendor. But, you know, as I was just mentioning before, like really passionate about improving patient engagement, improving patient access to care, thinking about the ways that we can use AI and automation uh, to improve uh, healthcare workflows. So I think there's there's sort of three converging trends that led me to Notable. So first, if you look at the last decade in healthcare, we did a lot of work to implement EHRs. We moved from paper uh, to digital. I think the challenge of the next decade is taking that foundation of having our medical information digitized to better understand patients, to drive engagement, to anticipate people's needs, and to really personalize interactions uh, that we haven't done that yet. Um, the second piece for me was, you know, as I was talking about at UCSF, we spent a lot of time working on how to improve patient access all the way from like the moment you think as a patient you need healthcare to the moment you're seeing the doctor. There's It's like this maze of steps from the referral to the faxes, to the phone calls, to the work cues that the front desk are working. And, and today the patient has to run through this maze. Uh, one of the things that attracted me to Notable is that Notable allows that to happen without manual touches by the staff and without friction uh, for the patient. And so, you know, I had a lot of experience at UCSF of trying to improve those that journey and, and those processes and finding it very challenging uh, to do uh, and, and being very excited by, by the capabilities that Notable brings there. And then the third thing for me is just seeing in my colleagues at UCSF and across the country, just the rising burnout uh, among physicians, nurses, front desk staff, IT staff, you know, all these people who joined healthcare, um, wanting to make a positive impact on patients. But, in, you know, we read in newspaper articles and things about moral injury. People are increasingly burnt out, not just by working too hard, but by seeing this widening gap between the care that they want to deliver, the reason they got into healthcare, and then the care that patients actually receive, um, yeah. and, and seeing a voltage drop there, and that it requires so much heroic effort on people's part to actually deliver the care that they want to. And so for me, it's sort of the convergence of, of those three things, um, and feeling like Notable is a place that works with health systems to help narrow that gap. and allow the people working in health systems to kind of have superpowers so that the care that they want to provide is the personalized and, and engaging and, 
and better experience care that uh, that patients actually receive. Yeah, when I saw that you made the change, you know, to becoming the chief medical officer at Notable, it made a lot of sense to me. It was just a natural, like you're already doing these amazing things at UCSF. This was going next level to help the enterprise, to help globally, um, you know, what you were doing in San Francisco, but um, at, yeah, at scale. And then with this intelligent automation. So you, you mentioned that already, Aaron, can you expand maybe a little bit on, on an example of intelligent automation for our audience that that may not know, because I think this is one of the hallmarks of Notable, if I understand correctly. Yeah, so this, I mean, this is essentially what Notable does. And, um, you know, Bain actually just published a survey last week of 94 healthcare executives uh, asking them where they see the greatest opportunity for impact with AI and, and especially with, with large language models. And the first area that, you know, ranked above everything else was, was gains in reducing administrative burden and improving efficiency. Uh, and, and that's really what Notable does. So we are the leading healthcare automation platform for patient engagement and staff workflows. Uh, we're deployed across 3,000 locations uh, across the country. Um, and we're actually automating, this is kind of an incredible statistic, we're automating a million, uh, over a million tasks a day. And what that, you know, when I say a million tasks a day, like what does that really mean? That is something that typically requires a person, a staff member in an office, you know, a front desk staff person, a back office person. Uh, they're working a work queue, they're making a phone call, they're typing something in the computer. We're, we're automating over a million of those uh, tasks per day. Um, to give you a sense of, of you know, what one of those workflows looks like. So, you know, what does it look like to give a staff person superpowers or to give a clinic superpowers? If you think about um, a health system trying to under, like deliver population health and, um, you know, understand who needs a mammogram, who needs a colonoscopy, today a lot of health systems employ dozens of people to go abstract through patient charts, figure out um, uh, which patients are due for those, uh, those procedures and to make phone calls to them. Uh, that's an incredible amount of work. Uh, what Notable actually does is it goes into the chart, uh, it reads information and 80% of medical data today is in unstructured data, but we can read from PDFs, from scan documents, from structured data in the chart. So, so really reading information from anywhere in the medical record, make sense of it, understand, you know, pull out using uh, natural language processing and AI, uh, which patients actually need a mammogram, what their risk level is, when they need the mammogram, um, and then do the outreach. So automatically, like not dump that information into a work queue for someone to make a phone call that automatically triggers a message out to the patient to book their appointment uh, in a personalized way. So understanding, you know, when to send the message to the patient, uh, what appointment type they might need, uh, which doctor to schedule them with. So it's all the way through that entire process of finding what care the person needs, uh, from all of these uh, different sources of data in the medical record to doing the outreach and closing that care gap. So that's just one example of a, of a workflow. 
Um, but you can, you know, we, we do similar things across patient access and referrals and scheduling. Uh, but it's really about automating the work and, and personalizing the experience. Yeah, I love it. I love the fact that you're actually doing it. You know, people, organizations have talked about this for years and years. And then, of course, with all the clinician burnout and the pandemic. But here you all are actually doing doing it, uh, uh, using the automation to really streamline operations. And it has uh, many benefits. Clinical. I mean, it's easy. You didn't say it, but it's easy to read between the lines. Uh, the, the clinical quality, the patient experience, clinician burnout. I mean, you're just hitting on a lot of uh the different pain points. That's really cool. What, what is your area of focus? So I think people are curious, right? We know what a chief medical officer does in a hospital. Uh, but as you mentioned, now you're on the vendor side working at Notable. What, what's, what's a typical day or maybe a week look like for you? And I know you're still early in, so maybe there's nothing typical. Yeah, um, there is. And actually, I just want to go back to one other thing you said, Ed, in terms of the impact you know, uh, one of the partners we work with uh, is Castell, uh, which is a value-based care arm of Intermountain. Um, and in using this sort of like automated chart review process, they're, they're creating the, a workforce equivalent of 47 FTE, uh, which is, you know, obviously millions of dollars a year in savings. But if you think about the level of care that that allows a, a health system to provide that isn't possible because no one could possibly hire enough people to deliver care in that way and to do all of that outreach and to do all of those tasks. So, so to your point about the impact, it, it is, it's just really exciting to see what's possible uh, when you have those kinds of capabilities uh, to, to do the automation. Um, my role is, is really exciting. I mean, it is, Everything from product strategy to uh, you know anything supporting the mission of the company. So we are really about simplifying and optimizing healthcare. So you know I focus on product roadmap, product strategy, uh, product design, um, thinking about new ways. You know when you have these uh, AI capabilities and these process automation capabilities, there's lots of new workflows that we can. Uh, work with health systems and apply these capabilities to. So it's working with our health system partners to figure out what new workflows will have the most impact uh, to automate. It's working with the community to understand what's most important uh, as we think about automation uh, over and, and personalization of experience over the next decade. Uh, and another really big piece is we're very focused uh, as a company on outcomes and value, we really don't want to be uh, just about, you know, giving a health system software features, but we know that people are struggling with uh, labor costs and, and efficiency. We know that health systems are struggling with trying to personalize uh, and improve patient experience. We know that they're trying to improve their patient access metrics. Um, uh, and improve turnaround times in responding to you know prior authorizations, and so we really focus on trying to deliver those outcomes and and watch those metrics. And so uh, one of my responsibilities here is really making sure that the products that we're deploying are delivering those outcomes uh, to health systems. So it's a it's a really fun yeah. and exciting role and. Um, 
definitely, you know, brings forward the the work that I was doing over the last several years. Yeah. And that, uh, yeah. And like I said, on the outside, there's not a commercial because uh, we're, we're hanging out because I think you're a great person, as I mentioned, and doing great things. And, and I, I like the fact that there's a company out there actualizing all the potential. Uh, so I just say that as a caveat, uh, but, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so kudos to Notable for having a CMO, you know, oftentimes, and I'm sure you've run into these vendors where there's not a clinician in the house trying to sell you yeah. something for clinicians. It's like crazy. And yeah. so, I, you know, so I, a lot of kudos and respect, you know, to Notable for, for hiring you and someone who's been there and done that. You know, you're not just a theoretical MD or, I mean, you're actually seeing patients and, uh, have this long history. So uh, that's really cool. I, I really applaud that. Um, let me ask you one last question around Notable and then we'll move on. Where, where do you think we're yeah. headed? And maybe you can't share, you know, the product roadmap for Notable and, but whatever you can share, we're, we're, you know, we're doing some cool things now, like you mentioned, but where do you think we might be going? Um, so we do have something coming that I can't share yet that I think is really exciting. I, I think, you know, obviously, uh, the the buzzword of the last year is generative AI and large language models. Um, you know, we have been working in the space of of improving that uh, patient access journey. Uh, we do have something coming there related to, uh, frankly, a, I, I, what I believe will be a paradigm shift in the way that that patients uh, interact with uh, and engage in their care. So. So really excited to uh, that we'll be able to announce that in in the near future. Um, I, you know, I I think that we have a long ways to go in actually just deploying uh, these capabilities in more places. So as I go, I mean, to be honest, Ed, I, as we go around the country and meet with health systems, people are still straining. They have staffing shortages. Uh, they're burnt out. They can't answer patient phone calls. Um, they can't answer the the faxes that are coming in on the fax machines. So I think there's, in many ways, it's it's the the basic next steps are are just starting to provide relief to those places uh, and and starting to give some of these basic automations so that you know when you walk up to uh, the front desk of a clinic. How, how how many times I don't know if we're going to be on video here, but I'm I'm holding my hand up in in front of the camera. How how often is is your experience that someone puts their hand up because they're on the phone or they're on the computer when you walk up to that front desk of the clinic and they're doing like ten different jobs? I mean, it's such a hard job. Uh, I see I see my front desk in the clinic struggling to like work the fax machine, work the phones, work the EHR, and so how do we make their job easier? So that when the patient walks up to the front desk with a question, they don't get that hand in their face. They get a front desk person who says, hi, you know, how can I help you? What, you know, what can I help you do? Because these other tasks, these, these um, things that can be automated out uh, have been automated out. Um, you know, the, the prior authorization work queue. So I think there's just a lot of work to be done that I'm excited about. Um, to provide that relief for, for health systems so that everyone can practice to the top of their license, whether you're uh, a front desk staff, a medical assistant, uh, anybody working in, in the healthcare environment, um, 
has those those basic tasks removed from their plate uh, and they can really uh, serve patient care the way they want to. Yeah, love it. That's so awesome. So transitioning now to leadership and, and life, how do you balance it all? So you're seeing patients and your CMO and we already talked about family and, you know, how, and you play guitar and you read and you run. And so how do you, how do you do it? How do you make it fit? Any tips for listeners? Um, one is, well, of course, the, the truth is it's probably for everybody, it's a lot messier uh, under the surface than, than it appears. So I think let's just acknowledge that nobody has this figured out and, and real life is, is messy and it's hard. Um, I do try to, you know, keep self-care activities. So I try to meditate every day if I can, try to exercise, try to get sleep, try to eat healthy, um, to have uh, outlets like playing guitar uh, as well as exercising uh, to keep some balance. But I think the other thing that's really important for me is that the different activities that I'm doing, you know, seeing patients, uh, my role at Notable, the federal policy, it's all it, it it's all coming from the same foundation and with the same purpose. Uh, it's really about you know narrowing that gap between what healthcare should be and what it is and narrowing, making it easier for people who work in healthcare to deliver the type of care that they want to, making it easier for patients to access their health information, making it easier for patients to access healthcare. And so just staying grounded in sort of like the why and those core beliefs and core principles um, makes everything fit together so that it's it doesn't feel like I'm doing 20 different things. I'm kind of just doing one thing and I'm just doing it in, in different ways and you know from from different yeah. perspectives and at different altitudes. But I, I think that's what keeps me keeps me really grounded and, and balanced. And and then the other piece is I love learning. Um, you know I, I like I said earlier I was an American studies major and so it's a very multidisciplinary thing. I was pre-med, I was American studies. So I think one other thing that's just constantly driving me is loving to learn from experts and, and from other people. And so that natural curiosity kind of keeps everything interesting and exciting because I'm, I'm just constantly trying to learn new things. So, you know, for example, in this role, it's the first time I've been on the vendor side. So I'm learning, you know, what it, what it means to do sales and marketing and, and working with lots of health systems to do deployments. Uh, so that's really exciting and fun because I, I, I'm learning something new from people who are expert in, in that subject area. So I think that's what, that's what keeps it fresh for me. That's also, you know, coming back to when we first met, that's why I reached out to you and was so excited to spend time uh, meeting you is just to learn from, from your experience. I just very, very much love learning uh, from experts in, in different subject areas. Yeah, likewise. And a great example is we went running while we did that. So we got to know each other while running. So we we're getting our exercise yeah. in, but mental clarity. And we ran around the capital of uh, Utah, if I recall correctly. Uh, so yes, that, was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Hey, what's sort of my last question for you. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about advice and stuff, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it up a little bit. What's the hardest decision as a leader that you've had to make? 
I think the hardest decision I've had to make is pulling the plug on a project uh, that, you know, we spent a lot of time and money and resources on. Um, it's very hard when you, you care deeply about something, you've poured a lot of energy into it, you know, you've spent a year or two on it, and you, you come to realize that the, the path forward just isn't there. Um, it ends up being a, a great decision in the end, but actually getting there and doing it uh, can be really hard. Uh, so yeah, I think for me, probably one of the hardest was, was pulling the plug on, a, on an expensive project uh, that we'd put a lot of time and energy into. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great reflection because as we know, a lot of times we never pull the plug, leaders never pull the plug, and, as, and unfortunately no one wins in that scenario. And, uh, but you had the courage, you know, to do it and as hard as it was. So that, that's a really good one. I think that'll help a lot of people who are listening, probably struggling. I think everyone, as you said that Aaron came up with a project in their mind that's going on right now. Like, and yes. I'll tell you, you know, the, the important thing about it is it, what, what's hard to realize in the moment, it frees space for the next thing. And so I think, you know, that's, that's one of the ways that I, I've been able to get myself through it is to think, you know, there's all these other things that you'd like to be doing or that a year from now you'll look back and say, wow, I did this great thing. And if you're holding on to everything, you can't do the next thing. And so yeah. sometimes letting go of something is the best way to clear space for that next great opportunity that's going to come. Yeah, that's a good word right there. I think we've gotten better over the years of saying no in a good way uh, to sort of projects through governance and things like that. But we, 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 we're not good at cutting things off when they should be cut off after they start. Uh, so thank you for the reminder and thank you for your candor. We talked about a lot of things like how we first met and running and family and your career. And then we talked about Notable and, and your role there and some of the cool things that Notable does to really help our whole ecosystem in healthcare and where we're headed. Then we spent the last five minutes or so, Aaron, on leadership. Is there anything that I may have missed or something we talked about that you want to double down on? I'll give you the last word. Ooh, uh, you know, since I'm here, having made this transition um, from a health system to, to working uh, on the corporate side, I think the thing that's resonating with me right now is, is betting on yourself uh, and, and taking risks. Uh, it was a you know, as excited as I am about Notable, it was still a, a scary decision to make, to make the leap, but I'm having so much fun. I'm loving it. I'm learning so many new things. Uh, and I did get some encouragement from friends, from mentors to kind of bet on myself and, and, and you know, make, make a leap. Uh, and, and just as we talked about with, you know, sometimes it's hard to let go of, of projects. It's sometimes hard to let go of, a, and I was, you know, in a very happy and great career at UCSF, but I saw this new opportunity and uh, I'm so excited that I took the leap. So hopefully it can yeah. provide that encouragement to, to somebody else who's in a similar uh, situation. Oh yeah, money for sure. That, that was a money statement uh, there that, uh, and I'm not talking cash, I'm talking like valuable, uh, valuable insights, uh, Aaron, because I think some of us keep ourselves back, right? We don't take that bet on ourselves and we hold ourselves back and we don't achieve the things that we can. And, and, and also I I'm thrilled that you made the move because I think what strengthens our whole ability to really save lives with technology ultimately, and do all the other things that we talked about the macro things like 
clinician burnout and patient satisfaction is we don't have enough uh, partnering that takes place, I think, between vendors. And I could say that, too, because I've worked on the vendor side now. Um, vendors and health systems. And I love when some people from a vendor community go to the health system and when some people from the health system go to the vendor side, because I think it just strengthens it. You gain this understanding. It makes the whole fabric stronger. And from that, we can do a lot more great things. Um, so you're yeah, another that bi- great- that bi-directional empathy. Yeah. Yes, yes, uh, right on. So Aaron, this has been so good. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for making the move, like for reasons I just shared. And uh, and thank you for just being a good person. You're if, if I ever had to have a physician, you know, that in your specialty, you'd be the doc for me because uh, not only are you very super competent, but you're like a, a very empathetic, real person. So thank you so much for being our guest. Oh, thanks, Ed. That's very, very kind of you. And uh, it's always really fun talking with you. Hey, that wraps up another edition of Digital Voices. Thanks again for being with us. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening. 